Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Above anything else, yes. at least this movie had a good soundtrack. The soundtrack was really interesting. Um, and I kept like listening to it to see like if whether songs that I knew or like just like really interesting French music for me to pick up. Um I have this thing where, like, I love the idea of listening to music in other languages. And so, like, I do yeah. sometimes try to seek that out. Um, but a lot of times I struggle to find music, like, where the music or, like, the melody catches me enough that I can either, like, want to learn uh, foreign language lyrics or just, like, I can just ignore them. Uh, and so, like, that, I, I feel like... I have found mostly I think through through my own lack of trying. I, I have found very little like French music that I particularly like. But um yeah, I was I was enjoying this and I, I think I would definitely listen to some of the, the tracks on this soundtrack more often. Yeah. Well I noticed that like the first half of the movie had English uh, songs and I yeah. was like, okay. I was like, that's not uncommon. You yeah. know, like, you know, people have English music in, in, you know, all over the world. Like this is very common. It happens in, in like Asian cinema, you know, modern Asian cinema um, mm -hmm. often and, and other uh, places like that. Like Germany is very known for that. I was like, so this is not weird. But the second half of the movie had a lot more French songs. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm at. Cause same, I, I always go into the top charts. Uh, Apple TV or Apple music has the top charts from around the world. Oh, so you can listen to like what the top 100 songs are yeah. in that country. You know, truth be told, normally the like top 10 songs in those charts are all American songs. You know, yeah. they're all like the Ariana Grande's, the Taylor Swift's and stuff like that. So most of the time in most countries, it's still an American based song. Um, but you get down into it, you know, some like Japan's really good. Like they're, they're mostly all Japanese artists. You know, we're like the other day it was like, you know, Japanese artists for like one through five. And then like number six was Sam Smith. And then like seven and eight were a Japanese artist. And like nine was like Harry Styles, you know? So it was like, it's cool. Cool. But I, I, I've pulled some French and I've pulled some German songs into my playlist um, just because I'm like, oh, this is the number one song in France right now. I'll give it a listen. If it's cool, I'll add it. If it's just like generic pop, I'm like, eh, we'll skip it. That's neat, uh, though. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even think to try something like that. Like, um, 
I remember I used to, to stumble across stuff like in particular, like in retail stores, like the the demo music on the iPods in the Apple store. Like I have a whole record that I bought uh, from iTunes a long time ago that was like all in French that was because one of the songs was, was on yeah. the iPads, iPods there. Or like I would hear something playing in the store and Shazam it or whatever. Um, I, one thing I did notice though, like even some of the English language songs, like if not most of them seemed like they were sung by someone with a French accent. Uh, yeah. And I thought that that was, that was neat too. So like, it still felt like immersive and appropriate, especially given that the movie was fully dubbed in English. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I'll say right off the bat, at least for me was, uh, terrible and distracting. Yes. Um, it was very unfortunate because like everybody's voice did not match them at all. Uh, like, you know, not even like, you know, I expect the mouth thing to not match up because, you know, languages and that's mm-hmm. not how languages work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the voice timbre yeah. and the way they acted for every character, I was like, this is not what that person would sound like. Like, you're not even close. <laughs> and like, it, it was the most like, I hate to say it, but the most like stereotypical, like overdubbed feel or like yeah. there was no sense of urgency uh, or like the right emotion in anyone's voice. Like everything was like equally flat. Like, are you kidding me? You can't yes. do that. You'll be killed. Yes. It was very <laughs> generic. Yeah. Like one of the, the, you know, so one of the main characters, Elma, um, who is, is a young girl, like she's clearly a child, you know, maybe she's like 14 or something like that. Like she, she's very young. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice, she was voiced by a straight up woman, mm-hmm. uh, like an, a grown ass adult woman. Yeah. And it was like, and, and she had zero inflection in her voice whatsoever. And Elma mm-hmm. has some very like, emotional scenes you yeah. know like she you know we'll, we'll talk about it later but she she witnesses her father kill himself you know she crashes in a thing and gets shot by a gun and all this kind of stuff and the mm-hmm, other person's mm-hmm. like paul please don't do that like while yeah. she's gushing blood and i'm like oh my god this is so bad <laughs> no paul you have to come back take <laughs> me right. with you <laughs> i'm the one who turned you in paul yeah, like, I know. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's very it was very weird and and it was very distracting and Paul's voice was like, "Hey, I'm a guy. I'm going to talk like this the whole time." And I'm like, "But Paul doesn't look like that." No. Like that's the thing. Like Paul's like this cool euro-looking guy and then you give him this like weird western gravelly raspy voice and I was like, "What the fuck? Who the fuck <laughs> is this?" That's not Paul's voice. And then Jean Renault, same thing. Like Jean Renault has a very like famous voice. Like he's, mm-hmm. his voice is something very known of him because he has that very, you know, the French accent and he has that deep voice and, yep. you know, he speaks in a very, you know, specific sort of candor in a way. And then like to hear, you know, well, I'm uh, John Renault's character and I talk like this <laughs> and everything I do is like an announcer. My name is Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God. Oh God. So I don't know... Okay, I do know the answer to this. I was going to say, I don't know if that made me dislike the movie, um, but no, it was the writing and the plot of the movie that made me dislike it as well. Um, uh, But it started off good. What movie would that be? 
That would be Last Journey of Paul W.R., which is currently streaming on Hulu in America as of time of recording this episode. And as we mentioned, it is only available uh, available as a dub. Uh And also... Uh, another thing about that, this is a little bit of a glitch we experienced, but on Hulu, it is listed as 15-minute runtime, but that is incorrect. It is actually an hour 30. Um, to which I, uh, I am pretty sure I discovered the uh, the reasoning behind that. It's because there actually was, in 2015, a 17-minute short called Le Dernier Voyage de l'Enigmanique Paul W.R. Oui. Okay. Yeah. So there was a uh, a short of the the last voyage of, uh, of Paul W R that uh, are, would actually have been uh, the last voyage of the of the enigmatic Paul W R, which I uh, think is an even more badass title than the yes. last voyage of Paul W R. Um, and I kind of wish they had kept that. Uh, but yeah, so that like Hulu probably accidentally like scraped the data from the short for their database. Uh, I've seen. Like, like they list entirely wrong casts, wrong runtime, stuff like that. If there are films with uh, the same name in the past, we we had a movie that that happened. Yeah, uh, it was on Hulu where it was like the the cast was completely. I forgot which movie it was, but the cast yeah. was completely wrong. The description was completely wrong, um, but the movie was uh, was there. I, I remember that that happening to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, aside from Jean Reno, uh, the rest of these actors, I did not recognize from anything, um, American, uh, most, it looks like most everything they've done has been, um, uh, has been, uh, French, mm-hmm. um, which is what they're French actors. So yeah. this, that's perfectly fine. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, this movie also stars Hugo Becker as Paul W.R. and Paul Hammy at Hamey as Elliot W.R. And Jean Renault plays Henry W.R., who is the father of uh, Elliot and Paul. Now, as I mentioned, this movie starts off and I liked the direction it was going. We get a little like, you know, we see Paul, uh, we hear the story of, you know, this this red moon came to Earth, you know, Earth gets destroyed by like magnetic pulls or whatever, and, you know, there, the Earth, this red moon is going to destroy Earth, but there's only one man who can successfully fly through the magnetic field and, um, you know, save the world, basically, and then he just fucks off. So... It's even cooler than that. Like, as far as apocalypse movies go, this has one of the more interesting premises uh, and starting points for me. It starts, we we see grown Paul on the run, and we're getting a voiceover narration from young Paul describing dreams or visions that he had of you know, a, a future Earth where the resources have been depleted and humanity is kind of on its last legs and uh, this red moon appears, or this this planetary body appears in the sky that is dubbed the red moon because it looks a lot like a like when the moon is like really glow on the horizon and it's deep blood red and like it's really huge. It looks like that. Um, and it's actually Paul's father, Henri, who somehow realizes that they can like mine this moon for this like incredible en- energy source that they call like uh, Lunarium or something like that. And it's supposed to be like, you know, one, one battery full of this stuff can like power your car for like a lifetime basically, or like can, can solve the world's energy crisis and potentially bring out like a, a, you know, a new sort of golden age of humanity, which 
like kind of feels like there's some some maybe intentional, maybe unintentional potential parallels to like say the Destiny franchise, and especially later when we see the little like ghost like things fl- floating with guys who are in like full armor and giant guns and everything. Like we'll we'll talk about that in a bit, but like it felt like there was a little bit of a, a parallel there, and. You know, the the kid goes on to describe like, but the the red moon like recognizes the exploitation and like throws up this magnetic field that is impenetrable. And then like, you know, as as humanity is basically like trying to to learn how to get through it, it retaliates by basically like rushing towards the earth. And at this point, like everyone on earth knows like, all right, we only have a limited amount of time. This thing is going to smash into earth and kill us all. And at least in France, people seem surprisingly chill about that, which I think is really interesting. And I feel like it's a like it is a very very French attitude. I mean, we all saw the the photos of like the couple sitting and like having wine at an outdoor cafe while the streets of Paris burned during the the recent uh, protests that have been happening there. Which uh, I, I would encourage you, if if you're at all interested or uninformed and curious, uh, look up. Uh, and I think specifically it was uh, Saint Soli uh, was a, a particular excursion, or sorry, uh, skirmish in, in this in this ongoing fight. Uh, it's not just about two years of pension, people. Like, there's some really really interesting shit happening in France, and you see the juxtaposition of like the people fighting for like for everything, and then the people are just like. Yeah, this is normal here in France. And so, like, when you see people just going about their days as the world is literally about to end, like, yeah, this feels like a very French sentiment. Um, there was a delivery service still running. <laughs> yes. Like, that was the best. Was, like, Amazon was still happening <laughs> while, like, the earth is about to explode. Yes. And <laughs> Why so bother? The- the kid explains that, like, he has, like, in his vision, there's just one man who, like, understands how to navigate through the Red Moon's... Um, magnetic sphere and like destroy it and save the, the kind of save the world. Um, so obviously we flash forward and like now we're at the point where Paul is supposed to go on that mission. And on the eve of its launch, he just straight up disappears. And so like, we have this really interesting juxtaposition of the narration being done by this younger kid, younger version of Paul who had these visions and older Paul, who is living it out, but we learn no longer remembers his visions because his father's been giving him some sort of medical treatment that looks like maybe it is also based on the the matter from the, the Red Moon uh, that makes him forget, all except this little drawing he did of a forest. And, like, he remembers that image. And so, like, he's on this journey. Like, he's like, if I can just find this forest, I can unlock all of these other memories and I can figure out what I have to do because I know, like destroying this thing just doesn't feel right. Or like, I just like, I just, I know that it's not the right move. And so like we set up a really fucking interesting premise that then kind of stumbles all over itself for another like hour and 15 minutes or so. Yeah. That was, that was like the most frustrating part. Cause I think the premise of it, like the whole movie, I kept being like, there is a really good idea here. Like, mm-hmm. keep going, keep going. Like, the, it made me watch the whole movie without being like, "What? how much fucking time do I have left? You know? Like, because the premise is so cool and I wanted to see what the ending is because I'm like, 
there's a lot of ways this can go about. He could, you know, have this realization that like, okay, uh, you know, you're right. This is for the greater good. So I'm going to go off and do it. Or it could be another where he's like, no, you know, where they kind of hint at this. He's like, no, if you just leave the moon alone, nothing's going to happen. Like earth will be saved and we'll all be good. You know, and there's like, there's a couple of different ways that it could end. And you're kind of like, I want to see which one he chooses, you know, Mm -hmm. how this movie ends. Um, and, you know, we do eventually get an answer, kind of, um, you know, where in a roundabout way we we get an answer, but we don't necessarily get the resolution of that answer. Yeah. Um, but it's implied. And it's like, you know, I, I said this out loud to Ellen uh, during this particularly interesting, like, dance interlude uh, starring the, the, the character of Alma. Um, they're like, you know, leave it to the French to take this idea of, like, gritty apocalyptic sci-fi and like make it full indie art house, like like leave it to to, to make this feel like a like super dramatic and like artsy. Forgive the term foreign film <laughs> um, when like the poster implies like super like space age like rocket to the the stars sort of shit, and like it looks like a full on like action film, and it really isn't. And like, that's not necessarily bad, but it was very disconcerting. Yeah. Well, because, you know, it does sort of make, you know, and watching the and seeing the poster and then starting the movie. And I'm like, okay, it's starting off. We're getting our our sort of set up and everything like that. And I'm like, okay, I was like, oh, but now it's going to kick in Mm -hmm. and it's going to be, you know, a race to the clock or something like that. And that never really happens. But it wasn't. To a degree. Uh, You know, and so you're like, okay, like this is an interesting, like maybe this is more of a human story of like, you know, how are people taking it? But you know what, you know what a lot, and you're right, like the way the French are taking it. Do you Mm -hmm. know what it reminded me of? Uh, The end of the world. But I'm lit tired. Oh. Well, have a nap. Zen <laughs> fires and missiles. <laughs> that's what that's what it was like. That was that entire scene. Could, this whole movie can be summed up by that one line in that uh, old cartoon, "The End of the World," because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's literally the plot of this movie. Yes. <laughs> but I'm lit tired. Oh man, what wouldn't it be amazing if the like the writers of this, uh, Romain, Antoine, and Laurent, uh, did sit down and be like. You know, these shitty cartoons, the Americans always quote and say, I am the tired, well, we should make a movie about that. And someone's <laughs> like, wee wee! I just, I, I always would like, why do we, like, why is that the, the go-to voice for ever? Like, ask any American to do an impersonation of the French and like nine times out of ten, like that's the exact voice you're gonna get. It's gonna be some sort of like, oh, sacre bleu, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you know what the thing is is like uh, there was this. Uh, I forgot what it was. It was a maybe it was a um, British like sketch show or something. Um, but there. Uh, so Catherine Tate, uh, who is uh, who is who plays Donna in mm-hmm, Doctor mm-hmm. Who, uh, she was on this sketch show. And there was this thing where the, 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 the name of the sketch was, uh, the, the translator. And so a guy comes in and he's, he's up to, uh, Catherine Tate and he's like, ah, like, you know, our translator, uh, canceled and we've, we've got, you know, foreign delegates from like, you know, five different nations. Like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, I can do it. And he's like, what? Like you speak all these languages? She's like, 
yeah, sure. And so she gets in and it's a bunch of foreign delegates, uh, delegates, and she just does like stereotypical accent, like, you know, like the Italian guy, she goes, hey, uh, hey. <laughs> and with the French guy, she goes, oh, 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 the whole time. And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Very, very funny, probably offensive. Uh, Almost um, certainly. Uh, sketch show, but super funny. If you want to check it out, it's called The Translator. If you look up Catherine Tate, The Translator, later I mean, uh, you'll find it i found it on youtube literally labeled Catherine tate the offensive translator yes uh, <laughs> and like i don't know if this is like just like just looking at this without even watching it like this like kind of screams to me like mitchell and webb sort of like sketch comedy <laughs> yeah that's that's very much what it was like but but that is you're right because like even the she you know she's english that is exact she did the exact same thing for french like the everybody knows just how the french you know same thing with the german like you're gonna be like ah, tun, ah, 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 you know you're gonna be yelling and stuff like that like everybody has that you know if 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 you go to anywhere not america and you're like how do americans speak they're gonna be like howdy y'all you know like that's <laughs> because that's what we're known for uh-huh. that's what they're known for it's just kind of like how languages evolve um, and I think that's very funny. It's wildly inaccurate in most cases and wildly offensive, but like it's hilarious and you can't not do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is if you're okay with like making fun of yourself, you know, like there is a line, there is a line with it, sure, you know, like, sure. you know, I think this is fine. Like in between the white countries, but when the white countries do this to the other countries, it's like, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> it is primarily that. acceptable only in the colonizers. Yes, right. Like when you cross that line, you're like, okay, now it's getting a little racist. We need to stop. Like this is bad, you know. But if I'm like making fun of Germans, it's like, hey, it's stupid because we're all stupid and it's yes, great. exactly. You know? uh, I, I wasn't saying specifically German stupid, just mainly all people in general. Um, we hate the Germans. We don't. We don't. We don't hate the Germans. Hate the Germans. Uh, there's a lot of great things Germany has going for it. Um, it's true. It does. It does. Um, yeah, so so the movie, you know, progresses. Paul's eluding the authorities. Everybody in the in the world is looking for Paul WR because he literally was the last hope to their to their belief, mm-hmm. the last hope that he was the person who could save the world. He was, you know, he's about to fly his mission and do it. So like he was the he is the guy, he is the savior of humanity. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't want any of that. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what makes this movie interesting. I Again, I found that really interesting because, you know, instead of like, it's too much pressure, what if I fail, blah, blah, blah. That's not what this movie's about. It's also the exact opposite of your typical American disaster film. Like, you think of like, if this had been in the U.S., it would have had like the biggest name actor star you could think of, and he would have nuked the fuck out of that moon. Like, sure. And like, probably would have had some noble sacrifice on the way and there would have been a tearful goodbye and like Aerosmith would have played a song, but like, we didn't know this movie. (laughs) Some badassery would have happened. And the French are like, no, (laughs) it's true. They very much were like, no, we're not doing that. Um, Yeah, so so that's another one where I had hope for this movie because like this is a really interesting take, and you know it it kind of like hinted that like oh, 
not only is this like a, you know, it's it's a journey of self-discovery or something like that, but like there's a little bit of a conspiracy behind this, you know, mm-hmm. because his dad is feeding him this medicine and the the young Paul voice is in his head being like, stop taking it. Your father's lying. Mm-hmm. Like you need to trust the forest or whatever. And he eventually he does ditch the medicine, which I thought was a little... Uh, the fanfare of it was a little lower than I thought it would be. Like the mm-hmm. realization and the, the you know, he just kind of like, yeah, you're right. Tosses it away. And then we just never talk about it again. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought that would have been something a little more like we talked about it a little bit or more of a point of contention, but yeah. it was not. Well, and like you mentioned that like everyone is on, on the watch for, for Paul, like he buys a, a car and a gun and like gets out of town and he's driving, but like he's being chased by, as we mentioned, uh, these dudes and really kind of like cobbled together very much like, uh, apocalypse chic, uh, armor that like looks like straight out of like, uh, like an early mission drop from from Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> like think like Destiny, Fallout, like all yeah. of those games, like Bioshock a little bit. Like it's 100% that's what they look like. And they've got little spherical dr- uh, drone things that like follow them around and like, re- like record and like report back. So like those things are hunting down Paul and every time he, he slips away. So I'm like, all right, there's like, there's an element of danger here. He's got to elude the uh, the space cops. Uh, <laughs> but then like he he... You know, finds a place that he thinks he can hole up, and like his is um, the the battery that was supposed to last for months at least in his car dies like a few miles down the road. He ends up like pushing it to this the service center in the middle of nowhere. This is where like he meets Elma, and he like there's a, a fun little back and forth banter. Like he needs a battery, and she's like, "Sure, I can get you a battery. It'd be three days." And he'd be like, "Can't you do anything sooner?" And like three days. Like if you're I, lucky, I, can, I mean, like you, you can leave sooner if you want, but it'll still be three days. And she's like, you know, you, you can get a freebie with your points, which isn't really explained. And then she's like, you can get that freebie today. It'll still be three days for your battery. And she tosses him like a, a pin or something like that. There's a smiley face, uh, which is a, a little bit of a, like a, a, a Chekhov's, uh, fucking bit of flash. Um, but that's the, it, it doesn't really have much of a, a payoff. Um, but here on the news, he sees that in like in his absence, his brother has volunteered to go, his older brother, Elliot. Uh, and we, we do get some flashbacks of Elliot in the, uh, the, the child Paul's narrations. Uh, we see that they seem to be pretty close as brothers, but maybe there's something of a rift that happens when their mother dies because Paul can't face it and runs away. And, you know, Elliot later tells him, like, do you know what mom's last words were? Where's Paul? And like, oh, dude, that's so a kick. dramatic. That is a kick in the nuts. Like, also, like, I feel like you would have said that a lot sooner than now because you guys are like at least in your late 30s. Um, but anyway, we see that Elliot tries to do it. Elliot is obviously like also a very intelligent, capable person, but when he hits that magnetic field, he loses control and he can't like he can't shake it and he ends up being like turned around and like crashes back on earth, uh, presumably dead, but then he comes back, but he's evil. And this is where things get really weird for me. Where like, I don't know exactly what they were trying to do. Cause at first I thought maybe this was like the moon defending itself, but then he goes after Paul and like Paul has no intention of attacking the moon 
And so, like, if he doesn't go after Paul, then that is actually doing a better job of defending the moon. So, like, is it like what, you know, he dies and comes back as something sinister, like some, like, evil version of himself? They're, like, he, well, never, he has powers now, too. Yeah, he basically, like, can influence people's thoughts and actions uh, and uses it a few times to uh, to some bloody ends. They, you know, makes a few people kill themselves, almost makes Paul kill himself. But it's never explained what the powers are, why and how he got them, and, like, like what, like... <laughs> Just why? What, why? What, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's exactly... You know, when he came back and I saw his eyes, you know, his eyes go all black when he starts to use his powers... It was also very confusing because the dub was a little clunky. Mm -hmm. So, like, the dub didn't... They didn't do anything to make you think the other person was was inner monologuing. Mm -hmm. So it sounded like, you know, they were just speaking out loud to him and, like, yeah. overlapping him. And I was like wait, what is going on? And then it like cut to the, to the other person. And like, I heard the voice, but their mouth didn't move. And I'm like, Oh, this is supposed to be inner monologue, but yeah. it sounds exactly the same. Like yeah. I, it was really clunky. And I think that's another thing where the dub failed to make the scenario seem, it ended up making the, the cool scenario seem less, but you're right. There is no rhyme or reason why this happens to him. You know, it doesn't, no one else has this ability. Nope. He doesn't come back and be like, oh, I all of a sudden have this ability. Like, it's just all played like this has always been the case. Yeah. And it was really weird. It was very weird. And I didn't quite understand what the purpose of it was other than giving a supernatural, uh, you know, villain, so to speak. And it's it's almost like that part was written in somehow to connect back to the visions because then we, we like we have this scene uh, where young Paul is telling young Elliot like you're in my visions too but you look like you're dead and like uh, okay so like the it's it's important to mention that if it sounds like the kid is narrating events that are going to happen in the future that's exactly what's happening so they're they're establishing that young Paul basically dreamed all of these events and like drew them out in his little notebook. And then like after his mom died and like, he just couldn't handle the grief. Like he hid the notebook and then his dad gave him the treatment and he forgot and grew up. And then everything plays out exactly like he uh, envisioned it. And that's like, that's a really interesting premise, but it almost feels like they didn't lean into that enough of this idea that like, he he's always been destined for the this story, and I thought that that was really interesting, especially with how like after he eventually finds the the notebook again as an adult, the decisions that he makes based on that are really interesting because it it like you know completes the loop and and I think a not unsatisfying way, but it was still like it felt like there was something lacking in that storyline, and I think it's the way that they handled the continuous jumps between the past and present that didn't feel like cohesive at all. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I was thinking that too, is like, if they, if they acquired the notebook earlier, you have Elma there to be an indirect narrator, you know, mm -hmm. like you have Elma there that can look through the notebook. We can see her looking through the notebook and she could be commenting on the things. You could be like, I don't know. I was a kid. I have no memory. I don't know why I did it, but we can start to see the story and get that sort of foreshadowing, mm -hmm. you know, there, but because they get the notebook so late, uh, and they don't really do anything with it. You know, once, you know, once the final scene happens and we see Elma flip to a certain page, you're kind of like, 
oh, okay, I kind of get what you're doing with the notebook, but like you should have done it more (laughs) and like an hour ago. (laughs) I think kind of where they went wrong is they they spent the entire like first first act and a half, maybe more, uh, like really hyper-focused on like, I've got to get to this forest. I know that if I get to this forest, I'll have the answers. And so that's why he's on the run. He's trying to find this forest. And like when Alma hears that, she's like, but that's kind of like bullshit because there are no forests. Uh, like, have you seen the world? But like, you know, he's like, no, you like, uh, you can't come with me anyway, but also like get in the car. We got to go to the forest. Um, eventually they find and stop at a cinema, which does a really cool, like hologram, uh, 3d projection of a nature documentary. And it's talking about like basically before the, the earth's biosphere has collapsed and, like when life was ubiquitous here. And so we see like deer and foxes and stuff like that. And then they see this wide overhead shot of the forest with the, like the large, like Mesa style mountain in the background that he recognizes from his visions. And that's when it all clicks for him what's going on. But it's super anticlimactic to realize that like he was never heading towards a location. The vision was just about him watching this movie. And like that, that like that felt like it fell flat of what they were trying to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, those sort of things. You know, this this sort of idea of like I'm seeing visions, and those are those are landmarks and markers across my journey, and maybe they're not exact. You know, one to one sort of connection um, is not new in, in sci-fi films. I mean, it's 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 a you know not an uncommon uh, sure. trope, um, but it was very interesting in this one because because of the lack of of like. I've got to find all these things and here's the notebook and I'm going through it. You know, this is a map to, to me figuring out the great mystery, mm-hmm. you know, when the, when that forest one hits, you know, like I said, it does fall flat, but then it sort of discredits the rest of them in a really weird way where you're kind of like, Oh, well the rest of them are just like metaphors, I guess. I don't uh, like, so then what's the point of this notebook? Like, where yeah. is it leading him? Cause like, it doesn't lead him anywhere. He ends up. He does end up flying up to the moon. So it was like, well, he did the thing he was supposed to do anyways. I don't understand. It like, I understood the ending, and I'll, I'll explain it here in a moment. But like, it was interesting to note that like, at when Elma eventually does get her hands on it, she's flipping through and she sees an entire page that's like a close up of the smiley face button. Like, okay, that's I'm like that's that's an interesting connection that the the young kid envisioned and they see like a few times we see the drawing of elliot but like he's all like black eyed and like crazy faced and dead and we we do eventually see where like you know he, he looks like that he confronts paul he tries to get paul to kill himself and paul breaks free of his manipulation and kills his brother uh and you know there's there's a bunch of these little things but it's really when paul finds the notebook and flips all the way to the end he's like shit i know what i need to do and he doesn't say anything like he just fucks off back home and is like hey dad i know elliot's dad i'm going to do the thing now and his dad's like i knew you could do it because i am french uh and like no acknowledgement of their like their dead family member who just went on a murderous rampage across the country. None whatsoever. Right. It's just uh, very like, eh, anyways. Henri is played as the most heartless fuck, um, which I think works for that character, but it just 
doesn't it doesn't hit because like he barely has any screen time. That's to um, say he needed more screen time and a more emotional dubbed actor. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm assuming Jean yeah. Renault probably did a better job because he's yeah. great. I mean, Jean Renault should have just done the dub. Yeah. Uh, but um so Paul does he undertakes the mission and we get a little bit of exposition when he when he takes off. Like the newscaster says, humanity scraped together the last of our nuclear arsenal. This is our last hope. This is it, people. Paul's journey is it. It is our last. I mean, basically just hammers that in repeatedly. And Paul does manage to navigate through the field. And like he has this moment of connecting the dots between what he's experiencing in real time and what he saw in the visions as a kid and what he drew. And he realizes that you said this earlier, like if we just leave her alone, she won't hurt us, which is referenced a few times as almost seeming like maybe that was young Paul's attitude towards, uh, towards their dying mother. If we just leave her alone, she'll be fine. Like everything will be okay. And like, it's implied that like, maybe that's why he runs away. Like there's a lot of those little details that feel like they should connect the dots better, but they just never do. But so here we have this moment where he like cuts off communication. He flies back out through the magnetic field without firing on the moon and then initiates self-destruct. And you realize what he's doing is he knows he is considered to be humanity's last hope. There is no one else that can that can navigate through the magnetic field that we know of, and there are no more weapons capable of destroying this thing. He knows that. He destroys himself and the weapons so that humanity has no chance to try to destroy this thing, recognizing that by him doing that and him doing that in full view of the of the the object of the red moon and it knowing what he came there for and what he does will set the peace between the two. And we see after his ship blows up and we have this beautiful scene of like Alma flipping through the notebook and like page by page seeing Paul's journey and realizing what he's doing. And she gets to the page of like the explosion of the ship and she looks up and the ship explodes in the atmosphere. And like, she's just sobbing and crying out to him. And like, we see like he, he made that sacrifice and the red moon starts pulling away from the earth. And so like, to me, the ending is actually extremely satisfying, and the beginning is really interesting. There's just a whole lot in the middle that just doesn't quite add up to get us between those two points. Yeah, I I really like the ending of this movie, um, but you're right. The journey to get there felt very clunky and sort of like it felt like they wasted a lot of time doing things that had no emotional impact to mm -hmm. the fin the finality of the film um but i like the ending of the movie where you know he gets up there and he's like like no i'm gonna show you all i'm gonna show you all like this this is what we need to be doing and he makes that sacrifice mm -hmm. and i thought that was cool all four uh heroes making like the the sole main character making the sacrifice to be like this is exactly what we have to do and why mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's very interesting and, you know, I like that we see the moon kind of pull away a little bit. It's, uh, you know, it's sort of almost, it, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, almost an all the way like resolution, but it's just enough where you can extrapolate the rest of the story, mm -hmm. um, for that. Uh, very interesting, but you're right. The, the journey to get there, uh, is not a fun one. Uh, it really drops a lot of opportunities. I do have to say, though, that there was a lot of imagery borrowed from, like, mid-20th century space age 
like speculation of what the future would be like. I mean, we had literal flying cars that were very reminiscent of like mid-century uh, European model cars. Uh, you know, we had the the rundown cinema that felt very like uh, <clears throat> like mid to late twentieth century uh, movie house. We had just a lot of this imagery combined with the. Um, the three-dimensional billboards and stuff like that that were very reminiscent of like a Futurama type story. Uh, and so like visually, there was lots of really cool shit going on in this film that I feel like was kind of like what was a nice backdrop to a story that was hard to follow. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, visually, you know, production designer, set decoration, everything. Great job. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. cinematography, great job. Like yeah. this movie looks cool. It really it does. It feels cool. Um, the characters look cool. Dubbing was probably the worst part. You know, I think that I, I do think that that made the movie worse than it actually was uh, for me because it, it made me feel zero emotion for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, even even when Elma's father, uh, you know, shoots himself and, uh, you know, basically in front of her because of Elliot's uh, influence, that should have been a bigger moment to me, but it just, it was kind of just like, oh, well, that guy died, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, just because like there was no, the, the the actors were very emotionless in in this, you know, and not to fault those actors. Uh, I'm sure that's just a matter of bad direction, um, you know, or not knowing the the subject of what they should be acting as. Sure. Um, so it was very frustrating uh, to to watch this and be like, I want to feel for Alma. I want to like, you know, be on that journey with Paul. You know, I want to be with him and feel his emotions of that, but I don't. Um, and so like, I don't care, <laughs> but I like what you're showing me. Like yeah. I get, I get what you're putting, trying to put down, you know, but I feel like, you know, I'm picking up more than you're actually putting down being like, oh, well, so you mean this and you could be doing this and this is how I think this should go. You know, like it was too much like fill in the blank for me. But it also, it just, it makes me wonder if we had found a like French language version, because this was filmed in French. It was filmed in Morocco primarily, I think, uh, but primarily was, was French. If we had found that, which is really good uh, subtitles, would it have at least felt differently? Like, would the story have made a little bit more sense? Now, just going from what I saw on screen, the events that unfolded, I'm not entirely sure that it would have, but I would be curious if, at least with the, like you said, the weight of the emotion behind the performances, because, like, watching these actors act, you could see that they, like, really got into the characters, but the the dubs didn't sound it, so eventually you just stopped paying attention to the quality of the acting. It's just like, oh, okay. Like, this is an audiobook at this point. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for the dope soundtrack, I would have just muted the movie and watched it like that hmm. um, because it, you know, it it was bad. It was really bad. And I remember we've watched movies before where it was like that, um, mm-hmm. where we, we only had access to the dubs and the dubs were so bad that it basically ruined the movie. Um, you know, which look, you're, you want to do your cheap dubs. You're going to end up with a movie that people don't like, uh, you know, this, this does not have great ratings on IMDb. Uh, you know, most, most of the negative ratings do mention the dub, uh, as, as being the cause of, of some of it. So, you know, but obviously there is the plot too, that is, uh, that is really bringing that on. Um, but yeah, so, uh, last journey of Paul W.R., uh, you know, 
this is a really interesting sci-fi uh, um, movie. There are really cool elements to this. I mm-hmm. think if anything, watching this movie just so you can create your own story in this world, you know, using the information you get being like as a jumping off point to kind of let your brain, you know, cook something up might be really cool. If that's not your thing, though, if you don't want that, then like, yeah, I'm probably skip this movie. I... I would say that it's it's not entirely not worth watching. Um, I would just I would go into it like knowing that like if you can possibly find a French language version of this without the the overdubs, try that um, because I think it'll be a better experience. But I think just just like appreciating the visuals of this film and like picking apart some of the story elements that they used that were very interesting, I, I think is an experience worth having. Um, it's, this isn't a strong recommend for me, but I'm, I wouldn't say to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, sort of where I'm at. Um, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. you're right though, visually and the soundtrack to this movie is what wins me over most more than, and the concept of the movie yeah. wins me over the most often execution, I think is the biggest thing that's holding me back from being like a full recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I could absolutely see that. Uh, so, so there it is. Last journey of Paul WR streaming on Hulu in America is rentable, uh, on Amazon, at least that I saw. Um, so if you are the type of person that watches movies after review them, there it is. Uh, you know, go ahead and give it a watch. If you enjoyed this movie or if you also did not like it and have more to add as to why it might be bad, uh, hit us up on social media. We're on both Instagram and Twitter at night shift MG, like night shift media group, but night shift MG. Um, you know, hit us up on either of those. Let us know what you thought about it. Uh, you know, would love to see if you found the French version and if you felt differently after watching the French version. Uh, would definitely love to know that information um, because this is a cool concept for a movie, and you know, the cast seemed seemed qualified to to execute such a good film. Agreed. Um, but uh, but we'll see. Uh, so there it is. Hey, if you haven't hit subscribe on this podcast, make sure to do so. We have brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Uh, Sundays are our movie review days where we review a new movie, uh, typically an indie, unheard of type movie. And Thursdays is kind of a just, hey, what you've been watching lately? You know, this past Thursday, we talked about, um, you know, Deep Space Nine, the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, Ghosted starring Chris Evans. Like, you know, we kind of bounced around a little bit to things that are on TV that we've been kind of watching and talking about. So if that's your sort of thing, you can also watch us on YouTube. And that's uh, youtube.com slash at nightshiftmg. Look how easy that is. We made it super simple for you because... We care for you, and we want you to have a simple, no, no, too many clicks to get to our content. It's true. It's true. It's true. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and uh, we super appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Woo.